0: Love music. Live sport. Let's hear it for the girls with Maureen McGonagall and special guests on Rock Sport Radio. Good
1: evening all and welcome to Rock Sport Radio. I'm Maureen McGonagall. It's Tuesday night and that can mean only one thing. This is. Let's hear it for the girls. So tonight, tonight, I am delighted to welcome back Amy Macdonald, who is overall manager of the women's section at Rangers FC. So welcome, Amy. Thank you very much. It's so you're not just in
2: charge of overalls, I take it. The no overall manager. That was overall, overalls. <laughs> Overall. I don't like her new uniform, to or be honest. It's not? grey. It's, it doesn't go with my peely wally skin. Well, but take it. Manager,
1: I'm sure you can get that changed. <laughs> so, as usual, we'll start off by having a look back at last week's Women in Sport. And before we chat to Amy about her sporting career and how much women's football has changed, particularly over the past few years, Amy, so you happy to join us with the roundup? Yep, absolutely. Okay, let's go on to our first sport, which is cycling. And Scottish Cycling, through their Women's Development Group and Young People's Panel, are working to increase the number of opportunities for girls to get involved and remain in the sport of cycling. So they launched the Scottish Cycling Active Girls Fund on Sports Scotland's Active Girls Day last Friday. And this will give affiliated clubs the opportunity to put their ideas into action and to increase and retain the number of girls within their clubs and sport. Don't you just love a sport that puts their money where their mouth is? Which Absolutely. is um, quite unusual. Um, so the clubs will have the opportunity to bid for up to a thousand pounds and their project must meet one or more of the following objectives. Introduce the sport to girls who are not currently engaged in the sport or not currently a member of a club. Increase the number of girls within the club. Address barriers which prevent girls from participating in sport. Increase the number of female volunteers, coaches, leaders within clubs. And increase the retention of teenage girls in sport. I think for me the one thing that's difficult in cycling is that you know everyone can go out and everyone can have a cycle and everyone can get fit through cycling. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily need to join a club and that makes it difficult for Scottish cycling to really try and get the numbers in. So this kind of background work might be just the key to, to changing that.
2: Absolutely, and I think the key thing about cycling is it's quite an individual sport as well. So a lot of people like to go to clubs and... Obviously, get a bit of banter and camaraderie, whereas when you're on your bike, you're kind of there solitary. But I think it's a great initiative. Um, I have to say, I'm not a huge fan of the cycling shorts and stuff. But I <laughs> see some of the cycling <laughs> so it's, it's
1: the overall manager coming <laughs> the out of the overall here, manager. <laughs> but
2: um, any initiative that will try and attract more females to keep fit and healthy is. Totally yeah, worthwhile. and to
1: be fair, they're doing an awful lot through their Breeze program now, mm-hmm. so um, it's good to see this. So I have no doubt there'll be a great uptake. You know, when yep. there's money there, and it can make a difference because it does help them. Yep. Um, target shooting. Now, Shona Macintosh is absolutely targeting the podium at the Tokyo Olympics following an incredible year um, for this Scottish shooter, and quite rightly so. Um, the twenty-three year picked up three World Cup medals: one gold, two silver in two thousand and nineteen, wow. as well as European gold. In the three hundred meter prone last month, and to top it all, she was named last Thursday as Team Scotland's uh, Team Scotland Sports Awards. Um, she was named Female Athlete of the Year and then Overall, sorry, Sports Person of the Year. It's amazing, um, isn't it? It's absolutely amazing I and mean, it's fabulous to see a woman holding that. And Shona herself said it's been crazy. This time last year I won the world champs and my quota place for Tokyo. So I took a back seat for a while and focused on getting my degree, which is a first class in electrical engineering. Oh, so wow. <laughs> you know,
2: it's just a
1: first class just
2: in electrical that, engineering and
1: grief And then I switched back into shooting and hadn't lost much. It's been going really well since then. It gives me confidence for next year. And Shona of course was our Scottish women mm-hmm. in sports, right, UWS sportswoman last year, and you joined us at that dinner. Um, so good luck to her. I mean, she's just, for such a young woman, she has got such a level head up with her, and I think it's yeah, great
2: to hear. even the fact that she's tried to nail down what her long-term career is. I mean, I don't know what the kind of length a career in shooting, or how, how long you can shoot for, but fantastic for her to be able to to uh, that degree. I know one of the problems is that they don't have a particular shooting
1: range, mm-hmm. if that's what it's called, in Scotland and she's been having to travel abroad to practice to get the right wow. um environment. So, you know, yeah. doing all
2: that and still coming out and talk. Could be wrong as well, but I think electrical engineering might be a fairly male dominated environment. So it's yeah, great right. to see her leading the way in that as well. Uh, yeah.
1: Good, good, good. Now on to gymnastics and Morgan James had a great weekend at the 2019 Scottish National Trampling, Tumbling and DMT Championships in Perth um, with a new personal best score and is now the 17 to 21 DMT Lady Scottish Champion. So well done, Morgan. And in rugby, Scotland's head coach Philip Doyle made four changes to the starting team that beat South Africa five forty seven in the first test match against them on Saturday at City Park Ground in Cape Town. This was the first tour for the women's team and it was historic in more ways than one. It was their first test matches in the Southern Hemisphere and their first under head coach, Philip Doyle. So after a period of disappointing results last season, Scotland's hard work is finally paying off as they rounded off the tour with a second victory against South Africa and finished South Africa 15, Scotland 38. Very good again. Good, and and I think there's quite a lot of investment going into women's rugby, and we're seeing this with all the different aspects of it, and and a lot, again, happening in the
2: grassroots side of rugby as well, so Mm -hmm. that can only well. Interestingly, you and I also know some people that used to play football but now play at rugby at a high level.
1: Well, there you are.
2: Uh Do you remember Caroline Colley, the goalkeeper? So Caroline plays and has been in and out in the Scotland national team. She plays quite high level now at rugby. Uh uh-huh. and is that the kind of thing and I'm
1: going to ask you a question you might not know the answer but can we think of anything like that happening in the male side of the game you know that
2: transition hey, I'm not really entirely sure to be uh, honest yeah oh it's great to hear that well, yeah good on it a couple of other people as well that have kind of transitioned so uh uh-huh.
1: Well, I do think they're doing a lot of great work, so it's good to see that actually getting the results because it's it's quite demoralising. I think for a for quite a while, you know, they were struggling. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if we think back to um, Scottish women's football, you know, many years ago, um, we struggled as well. I remember sitting down at um, down at Dumfries, and uh, I think it was thirteen uh, nothing or something. We're losing by, but we still stuck in there. You know, yeah, we lived to fight another time day. It's to change. That's right. And on to athletics, it was an incredible performance from Laura Muir in one of the fastest women's 1,500 metre races of all time. To run 3.55 and still finish fifth is unbelievable, and I suppose just a bit disappointing, eh? Well done, Laura. She had to take a couple of weeks off due to a calf injury, which disrupted her training. So again, you know, focusing on this one big event... Getting the injury, Mm -hmm. coming out, coming back to fifth. It's obviously going to be disappointing, but the fact is she's ran, you know, one of
2: the fastest times. Um, What can you say? I know, and that's one of the things I think that, you know, again, a really grounded athlete. I think she is Laura, a vet. Yes. She's she's training to be a vet, and I think that she's, you know, again, she was kind of really saying... I've been out injured and I never thought I would be able to run that fast so a fantastic achievement for her yeah and um, then it was uh, Elish
1: McCogan and it was a great run for her and a new Scottish record in the 5000 metres she finished 10th Ellis herself said, gave it my best shot tonight, but fell a little short of the time I wanted. Personal best, Scottish record, and fourth on the UK all time list. So it's far from doom and gloom, by far my most consistent year, but I'm so hungry for more. But I did notice that she followed that up on Twitter by saying that, you know, she was really disappointed and upset when she looked at her mum. Um, and I think it might have been her husband because she felt she'd let them down mm-hmm. but if you then go on to read the streams and after that not one person said you let this down, everyone said you've done amazingly
2: well yeah. so um, don't beat yourself up yeah, because even some of the times like across all of the athletics were so quick this year, particularly in the female side of things, people were breaking records left, right, and centre. So yeah, and I mean if you've got a personal best, what else can you ask for? Yeah, absolutely.
1: you know you can't do more than your mm-hmm. personal best, can you? No. Um, and Zoe Clark. Well, now this is a strange one. Zoe Clark was in the relay team of four by four hundred, and they were awarded a bronze medal. Um after the Jamaican team were disqualified. However now the scrutiny reversed their they reversed their opinion and reinstated Jamaica in third place and they left with the bronze. So you think it yourself, that's a bit of a muddle, isn't it? Yeah. Um Zoe so said fourth is definitely the worst place to come. It's very frustrating, but that's the fastest time our team has run in mm-hmm. years. It's bittersweet because we did go up, we did up our game. It's faster than the 2016 Olympics, it's faster than at the last Worlds in London. We got medals at that, so it is awful. So I I kind of feel for them. I mean, you build up the hopes, you take them down, and oh, I know.
2: Yeah, it's a real uh, <clears throat> difficult situation. But do you know what fascinated me about the athletics this year? I just thought it was amazing to see so many women. Um, particularly, I think it was a hurdler I was watching, and um, she broke a, a record. And a, her names totally escaped me. And then the next minute, there she is, with a young toddler and her uh, son as well. And so many women that have actually went out; they've had a family. And they've managed to come back and compete at the highest level and go and take a gold medal, which is fantastic yep. for everyone to I see. I think there's a picture doing its rounds on Twitter again, and I think it's either four or
1: five athletes, all with their babies, all having come back from motherhood. It's amazing, all that, you it's, know.
2: It almost, it, you know, as much as you give everyone kudos and credit for actually having the ability to go and win a gold medal, almost feels extra special, I think, to be able to recognise, well, they've just given birth their full life, their training regime, everything will be totally turned upside down and they've still managed to go out and smash records in, in And it's so
1: also all involved in terms of mental health at that point because your priority becomes your child. I mean, mm-hmm. no matter what you think, there is this sort of mothering mm-hmm. thing that comes with, with, with having children and, um, and they have to give up a lot of that. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, they obviously have got great supportive mm-hmm. partners and
2: I, I would and think an extended and, family mm-hmm. as well and fair play to I think to the governing bodies and the associations and stuff for actually allowing that to happen and offering support to yeah. allow that to happen so I couldn't great. agree with you more now they. area, we'll make a note of that, you and I have agreed on something <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, and Sammy Kinghorn has been confirmed in the British squad for November's World Championships in Dubai, Sammy said for the 100 metres I'd love to get on the podium, I don't even mind where on the podium but if I get on I will be ecstatic, that would just be incredible. My ultimate aim is to be a Paralympic gold medalist. I don't know if that will happen in Tokyo, but one day that's my hope and my dream. I'm really excited about the worlds to get back into it and sprinting. I'm not quite in peak form yet, but everything is working towards Tokyo. So yeah, it's been a bit quiet from Sammy recently, so good to hear that she's got yeah. that enthusiasm and um, she's fighting fit. And in boxing, it was um, Scotland's first professional world champion boxer Hannah Ranking, who was in the ring last weekend. And Um, She wrote that after a crazy 24 hours, I'm very happy to have got my first win under the Salita Promotions banner in America. She added a massive thank you for all the support, both at home and in Scotland and the UK, and for those that bought tickets to come and see her in Michigan. She had so many people to thank, and she mentioned them all on Twitter, but the one that stood out for me as she wanted to thank Care Jane, 91, Twitter name, for carrying her flag and for providing emergency hair assistance. <laughs> I think that's brilliant because Anna has kind of shoulder length hair and she has it all braided up. And I do remember when she was over in Glasgow and um, she was fighting Paisley not so long mm-hmm. ago. Um, she was away getting her hair done. So, it, you know, it's breaking down people's perceptions a boxer should be this, a boxer should be mm-hmm. the next thing. Boxer is actually quite a feminine person, mm-hmm. um, looking after her hair, but then going out and doing her job in the ring. And I just think that's wonderful. Yeah.
2: And I have to say, it's something that stands for a lot of female footballers as well. I think for us, it was Suzanne Grant. There was always a salon <laughs> in the home And, you know, somebody's yes. room was a salon. And that's where everybody went to get the, their hair. I um, did let
1: her loosen my nails in Wales. I do remember <laughs> it well.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I don't think I regretted it either.
1: Not at all. Um, but um, again, also great. still in box, and Megan Reid is into the World Championships quarterfinals with a great win over Lin Thai Ha of Vietnam um Megan's had the best performance ever for a Scottish female boxer at this level and she now faces the number one dando of China on Thursday and that's on this sort of amateur scale mm-hmm. so and, and Megan is um she's actually uh, I think she's a lieutenant in the the army so well wow. done to her and well done to the army for supporting her ambitions and this is a lovely one and I'm delighted to hear it so it's great news about um, Keris McCrindle because she was on her way to Stirling for the Scottish Swimming National Junior Squad first training session now Ned Med- Med- Seris has picked up quite a lot of accolades this year but the reason she's so nervous and excited is that she is the first swimmer with Down syndrome to be invited to attend oh, that's amazing. so that's diversity and inclusion that we all speak about and mm. we all tick a box about that's it actually in
2: action yeah and it shows a lot of other people as well it doesn't matter you know whether you're male, female, but for Keris to be able to offer other people the opportunity to go and again be a role model and get fit and get healthy. And and, and that's amazing. So well done to Scottish Swimming for offering that opportunity.
1: Yeah, and achieving her potential and Mm -hmm. having a dream and and she's working hard to get it. And we never underestimate how hard anyone who is Mm -hmm. in elite sport, no matter what the, I don't know, whatever the discipline may be, is that they're all working hard. Um, And it was an extremely proud moment for Netball Scotland as their under-21 secured a bronze medal at Netball Europe Championships. They also capped six new players. It's always good to see new blood coming through. And Captain Neve McCall was named winning player of the tournament. So that's quite a wee accolade. Yes, it is indeed. Now, Amy, we couldn't finish up today without talking about football. So it's Pauline Hamill's Scotland women's under-19 side who have qualified for the elite stage of the UEFA Women's European Championships, um, and with a match to spare from their qualifying round in yep. Poland, um, that is, I mean, it's so difficult going into a qualifying group because if you don't win your first game, you're playing catch-up, mm-hmm. it really is difficult. But to be in
2: that position now where, you know, you've qualified and you still got a match to spare. It's so difficult now. I think that that's the thing, tactical information and, and, and things, even countries, I would say that, you know, when we were... Both. Well, I was kicking a ball and you were you were kicking about with it. So. <laughs> I know you're going to say drinking a gin and Jenny. you just stopped <laughs> yourself, wouldn't you? Uh, I was going to say providing emotional support <laughs> on an off um, yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's changed so much. So teams actually that a lot of nations think, and it's the same in men's football. always we should be beating them. Um, it's really really difficult now because you know, maybe sit in or whatever. So it's a huge achievement um for, for Pauline and the squad and obviously Pauline MacDonald, the under seventeens they are we are hosting as well. So um best of luck to them, hopefully we do the same. Well I think, you know,
1: you're absolutely right in what you said there, because Shelly Kerr, the national coach, tweeted, Congratulations to Pauline Hamill, staff and players. It's not a given to achieve this year after year. Other nations are investing and developing mm-hmm. progressively. And I think for me also it it's a testament to what's happening outside in the clubs mm-hmm. with much more professionalism coming in because you know the the girls need to get that level week in week out so that they mm-hmm. can then go to the national squad and be the players that we want them to yeah, be.
2: Yeah, I think the key thing for us is that actually um, you know I think that Shelley and Pauline and, and Pauline are really clear about it as well. Well, actually we need to go to the next level because we qualify for the elite round and then when we may go up against. You know, maybe if you look at it like Germany historically or even some of the other teams that are coming through now, Norway, Denmark or it you know, we're still not at the point where we feel that yeah, we can go and give it but we need to be able to play consistently over ninety minutes so that it's great that we're getting to this point, but everyone wants to push that on and that's what we need to do on and off the pitch. And I'm sure that's what the plan is all about. Absolutely. And finally, um, it was a win for Clough and
1: the FC at the weekend, um, which secured them the title in the first season of the SWF Highlands and Islands League. And again, that's not easy because, again, we're talking about commitment, people travelling a huge distance um, to get to play football. It was mm-hmm. always going to be a difficult one, so it's great to see them starting out, but I know that they've, they've lost a couple of teams already.
2: It's just really difficult because they're having to be organised but allow a level of unorganisation about it as well. to yeah. kind Flexibility. Of flexibility, yeah. because they want it to be structured, but certainly from our point of view, we've got um, Chloe Nicholson that flies in uh, and is coming down and has been flying in for Away. Um, for us, so she's coming down and playing at under-19s level, she's been involved at first-team level, and it, there's players with great potential up there, but obviously the isolation and actually being able to be in that cultural environment, but it's great because the council and local authority up there are, are, offer some funding to be able to allow them to get
1: Yeah, they help to support that, because it's, you know, you could probably fi- fly to, to Spain or Portugal yeah. or Italy a lot cheaper than you can from Stornoway mm-hmm. to um, Glasgow. Yeah. So it's great that they've got that support. But um, yeah, was looking good. So thanks um, for joining us in the Roundup. No problem. Um, and uh, we will be back shortly, just after a, an ad break. And we're going to hear more about Amy MacDonald, uh, the footballer. Not the singer.
0: (laughs) Let's hear it for the girls. Looks at every issue affecting Scottish women in Scottish sport. From the participation to the administration. Maureen McGonigal leaves no stone unturned on all the issues affecting women's sport in Scotland. Focusing on sport from a woman's perspective, Let's Hear It For The Girls salutes the stars of tomorrow and the legends of today. Catch Maureen every Tuesday evening at 8pm. Only on Rock Sport Radio. Love music. Live sport.
2: Do you hear that? That's your family coming round to your new house for Sunday lunch. Your son opening the door of his first home, visitors arriving at your guest house, friends coming over to watch the football. Scottish Building Society offer a range of mortgages so we can turn this into this. Hello. Hey. Scottish Building Society. We've been helping people open doors since 1848. Call us today on 0345 600 4085. Scottish Building Society is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.
0: William, Pamela and Anthony were sold investments by banks and ended up losing money. Luckily, they contacted Goodwin Barrett and were able to claim back a total of £65,500. If you've lost money on an investment sold by a bank or financial advisor, even if you no longer have the investment or the paperwork, Goodwin Barrett could help. Discover how much you could be owed. Text GOOD to 6677. Text GOOD to double six now. Goodwin Barrett. It's easy to put things off. I'll sort it tomorrow. It'll wait. Well, turns out if you're a man with prostate disease, the sooner you spot it, the better it can often be treated. So if your dad or brother have had prostate cancer or you're having trouble with your waterworks, do something about it. See your GP or visit prostatescotland.org.uk for more information. Prostate Scotland. Pull your finger out. Love music. Live sport. Let's hear it for the girls with Maureen McGonigal and special guests on Rock Sport Radio.
1: So welcome back to tonight's Let's Hear It For The Girls and to Amy MacDonald and as we said, the wonderful footballer and not the singer. Um, Before we go to chat to Amy, just let me say if you've got an event coming up that you'd like to get some publicity on or some results that you feel people should hear about or perhaps you'd just like to promote your sport and come on the show, please contact me at any of the Rocksport social media channels or directly my own Rocksport Twitter feed. At Maureen M A U R W N, Rock R O C K
2: and S P R T. So welcome back, Amy. Thank you very much. Mm. I still do get the occasional tweet asking when I'm going on tour. <laughs> um, and I've had a couple of requests for um, signed birthday cards, which I'm pretty sure if I sent any of them, they'd get a fright when they seen my face <laughs> and not the actual Amy MacDonald. That's <laughs>
1: And the thing is, she's so involved in football as well,
2: isn't she? Married to a footballer? She's married to a footballer and she's a big Rangers fan as well. Uh-huh. So sometimes actually when of things course. have been released that's been, you know, my picture next to the singer, and I wish I could sing, but I'm probably prone to empty her room. Oh, I
1: <laughs> one of your one in your family good singers that's enough you know <laughs> you stick to the football uh, anyway it's great to have you back Amy because you were one of our early guests um, and let's hear it for the girls and so much has changed since then but we thought mm-hmm. it'd be great to hear where you are now um but before we hear where you are now let's just recap to where you've been all these <laughs> where years I've been. um because um i wanted to find out where your love of football came from as you grew up in Rutherglen and you went to Stonewall High School yep so, am I assuming rightly or wrongly your love of football started then?
2: No, I would say, well, if you ask my mum this question, she, she basically says it's as soon as I open my eyes. <laughs> so, I've got a brother, um, and when it started off, he uh, used to get all the footballs and stuff. There's not much uh, difference between us, but I ended up playing with his football, and he is absolutely more kind of musical and arty so my dad played at football he was played for Glencairn Juniors and we've got a kind of history on that side of the family decent footballers so my dad's footballs used to just kind of be sitting about the house and, and that's probably where it came from but all through primary school I have to say every break every lunch time eh, every time after school I was out there. My mum sent me out pristine, and I would come back an absolute riot. (laughs) I can imagine. I
1: can imagine. (laughs) How did you go into primary school? I mean, was it quite accepted?
2: You like football? It was totally accepted. Uh, Calderwood Primary. They were amazing. Um, Many a time, I ended up in the head teacher's office due to a fight at football at at break with the boys. All the boys were brilliant with me. There was a couple other girls that participated. Um, The only issue was we only had a school football team in primary seven and it got to the time uh, to go and play in that tournament and they came to me and they said you weren't allowed to go. So it was actually the Stone Law High pitch where it was on was just down the road. So I went up and asked the organiser and I said, why are girls not allowed to play? And he said, yeah. So I went back up to my teacher and I said... I'm allowed to play in this," she said. "Right, okay, get ready." <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Um, so yeah. Yeah, because I mean, even you know, many years ago, in uh, primary
1: school, everyone played together.
2: Everyone played together, yeah, and was... I played for Clyde boys' club as well. So I was a part of a boys' club, uh-huh. um, and again, all great apart from this one boy called um, Alan, who absolutely detested. Been beaten by a girl. Uh, so the coaches always put us against each other. <laughs> so, um, better no, but get really used supported. to it, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> very, su- very supported throughout oh, that's good to days. hear, isn't it? Um, because you
1: spent a lot of your time as a youth with East Cobride and initially you were recruited as a goalkeeper. Do you know, I'm sitting here, Amy, thinking, I can't remember that.
2: Yeah, it was um, probably when I was about... So when I stopped playing for Clyde Boys Club, I had to go and start playing girls' football. It's changed now to fifteen, um, but it was only twelve. Uh, it was twelve back in the day. So, and actually, I nearly probably gave up when I went to school. Bride, I just couldn't take to an environment that was all female. There are a lot of them, but it's quite established. They were really good friends with each other. I, I kind of really missed my boys' team. That um, And I, I know that that's still the case for a lot of girls at play now. It is a kind of different dynamic, isn't it? You know, particularly if I you just, go in late to the... I, I just can't... I yeah. still think that the the biggest obstacle that women face are other women. I think that we're so hard on each other. We're so hard on ourselves, but we're so hard on each other as well sometimes. I would agree
1: with you, but I, I
2: th- I've got a real good sense that things are changing. I mean, yeah, it used absolutely. to be
1: that, you know... Uh, it was, um, you know, if you got, you got up to the top, you pulled up the ladder and you stayed there, but I do
2: feel that we are now supporting each other, we're now helping each other. Absolutely, and I moved from East Kilbride to Hamilton and that was through Stone Law High School. It was a teacher called uh, Mr Burns and there was a girl there called Leslie Scanlon and I don't know if you know Ian Steele, yes. who does a lot of photography. He does uh, a lot for
1: netball, actually. He does a lot yeah. for netball.
2: Um, Ian used to come and pick me up and take me to Hamilton. Um, and that's through there I got involved with the national squad
1: I think Ian um, actually won one of our awards um,
2: deservedly so, he's one of the people that have been about sport for so long he was a huge part of Hamilton back in the day and he's given so much to actually female sport. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's a great
1: supporter of uh, female sport mm-hmm. when, when it wasn't really fashionable mm-hmm. to be so. And I think he
2: probably did take some stick during his time because of that, but he always was there. Yeah, and we were really fortunate because actually Ian's uh, boss at that time was Jim Chapman. Ah, yes. Who obviously was in, uh, in fairly successful at Camarnock. Yeah, of course.
1: I remember Jim very well. <clears throat> so let's go to 2005 when you moved to Kilmarnock and you helped them <clears throat> Excuse me, play a pivotal role in winning the Scottish Women's Premier League Cup. And the exciting thing about that is the result was 3-2 and you were playing against Glasgow City. Mm-hmm. There's not very many teams have got that accolade because Glasgow City have kind of sewn this up for quite a few years. So that must have been really quite an exciting time. I know, I've managed to do it twice. So. Uh-huh. And, uh, and at that particular point, you started off as an outfield Player, but he ended up in goals. I
2: know, and it was, um, I guess, that when I, uh, I don't know, people say you either need to be brave or have to be a goalkeeper. So, oh, yeah, I was I thinking you have <laughs> uh-huh. I fell into that category, but I remember it. Our goalkeeper got injured, and uh, I just said, Right, okay, I'll go in goals. And I was just praying for the full of the second half that nobody had a shot. So, um, where was that game played? Can you remember? I do. Um, I'm going to say it was up in kind of F- dumb And, you know, I went back to the stadium and I can't remember um, where it was. It's not the one uh, off Perth, down one of the um, junior clubs... Okay. It's, close to the, it's close to the sea, haven't it? Because actually Scotland played against Ireland there. Um, no, I not think that we played ago. in our broth at one point. I wonder if it, it was not It wasn't a broth, no. no. Not that long. I mean, I wake up in the middle of the night and I'll be like, oh, <laughs> Don't that's call me. I'll
1: live without that. I'll <laughs> yeah, without that. But that it, it must have been good. That must have been quite unusual as well. I mean, what it was what an amazing,
2: you like? It mm-hmm. was an amazing achievement. And I think, uh, you know, certainly I remember after it, you know, people were kind of saying... Well done, and it was one of the only ones I think actually we all had kind of chipped in and we were, we'd done a, a Man of the Match, and I got Man of the Match for that game as well, so it was a really special occasion. It's funny to hear you saying
1: Man of the Match. What's your thoughts on that kind of you know vocabulary? Should it still be Man of the Match? Should it be Player in the Match? What do you think? Uh, th- it's something that
2: I just think we've got just, bigger battles we've got to bigger, fight. Pick and choose your battles, and that's it's yeah. like man on. Like uh-huh. We still shout that. I'm not going to run about and shout player on. Uh-huh. It just yeah, like what's that? Aye, uh-huh. it's just it's one of the things. I think it helps other people
1: recognise what you've achieved. Yeah, yeah. So um, I suppose in a way you were fortunate as your progress- progression into elite football really kind of coincided with the introduction of the SW. PL, the Premier League. Yeah. How do you think things have progressed since then? Are are things changing? Are they getting better?
2: I think now, I think the main difference now is on the back of the World Cup this summer and obviously Shelley and the team um, doing extremely well over there. And I think that's just opened up people's eyes. And I actually think even for people that were there and participated in it, it was just such a high level. It was actually just really good football. Some really exciting matches. You could see the athleticism. A, a lot of female footballers has changed as well, and I think that since certainly, I mean, that, that's almost ten years ago. It feels like an eternity ago, but um, it's moved on so much. But since things then. have moved, and you see progressively more so since the
1: World Cup, although. Sometimes I think we look at events and think it's just happened by magic, no, but there's been years lots and of, years hard of hard work behind, work behind that to get it
2: that. there. Years and years of hard work in between that, both on and off the pitch by loads of people, including you. Oh, thank you very much. Um, to be able to go and uh, champion women's football. Um, and I think that it, it, it culminated in that, I, th- I would say, you know, and... And Anna had a lot to do with that, I would say, as well, because, you know, she fought a lot of battles and there's still a lot of battles to fight. But I, th- I think there are quite a few battles left to fight, but I'm, I'm
1: sort of heading my he- in my head back to um, the World Cup. And although we didn't get sellout at all the stadiums, we get good crowds at nearly mm-hmm. every game in comparison to what they're seeing in Doha just now with the athletics. Yeah. Um any idea? What, what's your thoughts on why that should be? Was it, did they sell it right? Is it the
2: sport? It's just culturally isn't it? Or even is it, the, is, is it the country? Yeah, you know? I would say it's more the country. I think that France done an excellent job and it's a place that everyone wants to go to because it's got a lot of history. There's a lot of tourist events. It was like, I think you went to Nice, which is... Yeah, it was fabulous. Yeah, Loved it. Um, which was beautiful. I was based in Paris so there was loads to do. Everywhere you went, people were so friendly. But the difference, I would say, at this uh, World Cup, was actually just the atmosphere. I've been to a lot of women's games in the past and people haven't known what to do. Yeah. Uh, You know, like, not celebrate or do this or that, but there was just such a great atmosphere. Um, If you look at uh, the Netherlands and, you know, their fans, you know are just amazing, the atmosphere, the Americans as well, it just, it was brilliant. It was, it was a step up even from the Euros two years prior
1: to that, because I'd gone out to Mm -hmm. uh, Amsterdam for the first game then, which which happened to be Mm -hmm. Scotland-England. And yeah, whilst, well, I I suppose the difference was we were actually playing better as a team Mm -hmm. um, in Nice, but as well as that, there was much more cohesion between the fans that were there, the Scottish fans, and the Scottish and the English fans mm-hmm. when I was there, whereas everyone was kind of to their own devices. Mm-hmm. Um, although there was a, a you know, a, a meeting place for everyone to go, there was a different atmosphere around the World Cup. Yeah. So I hope they can hope They hope can sustain that. But let me take you to this wee stat, because I think it's a great We stat. In the summer... 2009 Celtic secured your services for their third campaign in the SWPL so that's you know it's a good um, what 13 years no my my counting's wrong 2009 if that's the 2006 yeah 13 years that they've actually been participating Um, and, and you were immediately installed as a captain I was and they finished runners up in both 2009 and 2010 seasons and in May 2010 they secured their first major trophy in a women's game by winning the SWPL Cup, and you lifted the trophy after a four-one win over
2: Spartans. And we beat Glasgow City in the semi-final, of that one that went extra time as uh-huh. well. So, I would say uh, it's interesting because obviously, you know, I've I, I stopped playing, but it took me probably from about two thousand and four. Five, six, seven, eight, and then in nine, I just understood. I was about 24, I understood my body better, I understood how to get the best out of my body. I just, everything kind of clicked for me in the, the two years where I just, I felt like a proper elite athlete, and there's no better feeling. Um, but <laughs> now that I'm at Rangers, I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about it, but yeah, it's the only cup that, um, either Celtic or Rangers, have won in the women's football. So well,
1: That's some accolade.
2: But, you know, you're talking about you felt like an elite athlete.
1: I mean, for lots of times and what you've been doing and what we've been speaking about, you're also part of the national squads, you're know, mm-hmm. part of the youth squads and in the senior squad. In fact, you've got 30 full caps for Scotland yep. between 2004 and 2009 and your final appearance came in September 2009 against Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Um
2: what age group did you start out? It was seventeens. seventeens, nineteens, and then full national team. There was there you know, there wasn't the opportunity there is now in terms of 16s, 17s, nineteens. Um so yeah, it was seventeens, then nineteens. Um and made some really really great teammates, really good coaches as well uh, to be involved in so it was great.
1: And as it's always said the friendships you make in sport, they seem to be the ones that you can keep for years and years, they they never die do they?
2: Yeah and we always like, you know it's like a a support network Uh, obviously you know, Suzanne's doing great on Sky Sports Rhonda has been on she's obviously a firefighter now but she's got her own charity, you see Julie and all the other players that um, were involved in that and mm you always be connected because it was really special times. You spent a lot of time with each other when you were away, away from your friends and your family. So It's
1: quite nice to be involved at the kind of pioneering stage of it as such. You know, with every step that takes it more and more to professionalism, you do think if it's going to be further and further distance away from mm-hmm. the fans and, and, you know, what you want to achieve. But I'll tell you what I found really interesting, Amy. I found, um, and you can tell me if this is true or not, because I, I think I read it on Wikipedia and it's not always um, 100% right there. But it said that you chose to sign for the weaker SWPL clubs in the early part of your career because you were more likely to play regularly and uh, having to find yourself to deal with more challenging defensive situations.
2: So mm-hmm. I think that might be quite astute thinking. Is that the case? Yeah, because I was a defender and I just. I, I'm probably my own biggest critic, so I never felt that I merited playing at a top club. Um, so, for me, playing for Queen's Park, don't get me wrong, they were really good teams at the time as well, but I just felt that there was more merit in me having to go and play out my skin every single week. And then, actually, when I eventually went to Celtic, it was then a kind of an innate quality that you always kind of gave your tank. But my thinking then changed to more tactically in football. So I think we get so caught up in everybody's trying to kind of race through now and be, well, I want to play for the top team, but there's so much merit in actually just going and experiencing different environments and experiencing relegation battles, and actually it gives you such a different perspective.
1: Well, I think you're absolutely right, because we hear so, so often about young kids who um, have never actually lost anything so they don't know how to deal with loss when mm-hmm. it comes and I even take that down to my young grandson Grandson, I decided recently that you know we were playing I think it was Knots H- and Crosses I went twice in a row and I thought you just got to learn you
2: know your grand knows best. Yeah you need to just like it, it's such a huge education for everyone um, so I, I would totally recommend that I think that It's great to play in the best teams all the time, but you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about how to cope with different situations, depending on the players that are around about you, so, you know, I was 24, like, I think that's important to say that I was 24 by the time that I understood everything and everything kind of fell into place for me, but we're kind of putting so much pressure on 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds to be able to rush through that, but...
1: And that's sometimes when you get burned out and then they, they're, they're yeah, turned and they off. Yeah, they stop
2: playing because yeah. they're just like, oh, you know, I'm never going to be there. Well, you don't need to be there right now. You could be there when you're 24, 25, 26.
1: Because it's a big commitment. And, and for a lot of women who are in sport and aspiring to play at a high level, it's still a big commitment because the majority of them have to work mm-hmm. and then they have to train and they have to play. And in terms of um, football, although we've got a lot of the senior teams coming in now the other you know the the pressure on the players is a uh, four times training a week and playing at the weekend mm-hmm. and that's a, that's a lot to ask isn't it
2: yeah and that's probably not enough either like So as much as that's with the club, you need to do that as an individual and I think that's the next step for us. Like we need to understand that to be the best that you can be, you need to embrace it as a lifestyle. So actually every minute of every day and what you eat, what you drink, how you interact has to go along with being a football player. So do you think
1: in going back to the World Cup again, you know, given that the players who were professional continued and the ones who um, were not professional were supported by the Scottish Government. Do you mm-hmm. think that helped to, to get us to where we were in the World Cup?
2: Yeah, I think it's a huge part of it but I also think that, you know, it's interesting because obviously I'm at, again, I'm at the other side of it but I think we all went through an evolution where Anna was out with us, and Helene was down with us and we all thought they were an absolute pain at the time because they would come to strength sessions, they would come and see what you were doing, they would stand with you at the side of the pitch with a stopwatch and make you run. And we were taught how to do that. It's obviously then your responsibility to go and actually commit to that and make it happen when they're not standing at the side of the pitch. And we, I think we've lost that, because for the new generation coming through, they never seen that, and we expect them to know it. But if nobody ever teaches you that, mm. if nobody's willing to be that person that will go down and stand by a stopwatch or whatever, then you need to experience that to be able to be the best that you can be. So you also dabbled
1: in um, working with the Scottish national team. I
2: think you were you were the under-15s coach for a while? Yeah, uh, under-15s assistant coach. Mm. Uh, really great experience again. Um And I think that also like being involved in the squads, coming through um, as a player, it was just made so easy for you. You would go, you would show up at training, all the water, all the footballs, everything would be there for you. And then when you're on the other side of that, it was a lot of late nights and a lot of hard work. So kudos to all the coaches that we tormented in Um, the years gone by. (laughs) Well,
1: well done to you because, I mean, doing all that, you weren't, a full-time employee at all. In fact, you had to, you were at university, um, you came out with a, it was a BA
2: degree in sports science, a sports studies, in sports studies. Uh-huh. Uh, done an HND first, then went on to do a year in university. Don't remember much of it, remember rocking up to my university, uh, actual st- <laughs> tests and stuff, and I was trying to work and I was trying to train, and I don't know how wow. I function. Wow, yeah, it says
1: a lot for you. You got there
2: in the end, yeah, uh, <laughs> for so many. And the other job you had was with
1: them um, quarriers, mm-hmm. and I know that was a job you'd really, really enjoyed, and I think you got a lot from it. Is there a lot? That you got from it that you feel that you can take into your work currently with
2: Rangers? Yeah, I kind of laugh about it now because actually the most that I learned, well, two things that I learned in Quarriors. One was about myself eh, massively because you need to be really aware of how you conduct yourself. So I actually get asked on a regular basis if I'm in the police. Uh usually at least a good, you know, ten times a year, people say to me, do I know you? And I'm like, no, are you in the police? <laughs> and quarriers uh, was really, really great for me because it gave me an understanding about how I'm perceived in my perception. And uh, you'll be really surprised to know that people often think that I'm miserable. because uh, <laughs> well, I, I am surprised by <laughs> that, yeah. Um, and it's just because sometimes in situations that, you know, um, so I became really aware of myself I became really aware of the fact that actually it can be quite intimidating to people I can, and it was really difficult at the time to hear the things but it made me a better coach because now when I'm interacting with younger kids I'm really conscious of the fact I need to get down to their level, I need to like get my facial expressions, how I stand um, and the other thing is that it taught me a lot about kids it mm-hmm. taught me a lot about their behaviour it taught me a lot about Trauma, their lifestyle. Uh, so i done an HNC in uh, social care, I think it is, as well, At my time at Quarriors. And I get really interested in uh, childhood trauma and how that impacts kind of motor skills and stuff as well. So it really kind of changed me because the kid that I would have flung out the session... Before I went to was now the kid that I would invest more time in. Well, I have to say, my uh,
1: my Amy McDonald has always been an empathetic coach and a, and a really kind person, and the first person I would call in if young girls needed support or understanding.
2: Yeah, I think that from a, I think that when you get to know me, I'm like that. But I think that when you first kind of meet me, I, it, it, I think it takes a while, and and I'm totally like. I think you need to be really aware of that sometimes. It's just, um, I think that how I stand, and at the time, I'm not so much athletic anymore, but, you know, quite like... You know, so to a young kid that's maybe seven or eight, they pick up in so many cues around around you, how you speak, what your language is, and I've learnt so much about, like, it's, um, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. That's you know, how to be able yeah, to get it? the... Yeah. So, I mean, because it's a an environment and it's crazy. It's You're dealing with a lot of kids that have been in really difficult situations. Like, I mean, I took some kids out that had never been up an escalator before, never been in a train. And it just kind of strips it all back for you and allows you a, a, a totally different insight into the kids that are showing up at sports clubs and, and to take part in football. I suppose uh, being a gran I sometimes have that opportunity and
1: I know the last time we went to Edinburgh my son was taking um, Adam my grandson Mm -hmm. to Dynamic Earth but he refused to go on the lift because he thought it was a time machine. Mm-hmm. So it's just you know you don't understand that's going through their wee no. heads and it's actually real to them.
2: Yeah, and uh. some of the some of the some of the kids like they'll teach you so much about yourself. I mean, some of them are really aggressive and, and things. So for a lot of situations, we had to do a lot of debriefs, and it was great because your colleagues would then say, well, you know. could, do you think how you came into the room or how did that impact you? And it could be just the way that you were wearing your hair that day that actually could trigger trauma for for a kid. And I I really think I would recommend to everyone, um, if they can, to be so open to that feedback because no one's perceived the same by everyone.
1: I think that's really, really insightful. Um... I want to get on to your current position. Before we do that, you were one of the first fully paid employees in women's football when
2: you were with Glasgow City. Yep. Um, And your job there was development. Yeah, head of youth. youth. Um, To be fair, my job was made so much easier because I had a wonderful team of volunteers that I totally landed on my feet with. Uh, Laura Williamson, Tommy Little, Michael McDougall. we just... I don't know how everything came together, but it did. It definitely did. They, um and, and obviously it stood you in good
1: stead because, you know, Rangers then came in for you. In fact, in May 2017, you were appointed the head coach of SWPL Rangers. Yes. Um, um, but just recently this year, in July, you've moved in, as we said at the start, to the overall manager of the women's section at Rangers after the club announced a programme of increased investment. Now, this yep. isn't them ticking a box now. This is them quite serious, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think that um, this is actually true, so you know that I'm an honest person. So I get an email one uh, day and it said, Amy, will you come and meet me for a coffee? And it was um, from a a, a Mr. Dave King, and I thought, I was out at the time, and I thought, that's spam. I can't believe somebody's spamming me like that. And it wasn't. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't, and I went and met... um, Mr King, the chairman, and um, he basically said to me at that point, you know, it's something we're really serious about at the club. I want a plan in place. Um, I want the women's team to go and be successful. So, Well, listen, I think you're going to have to come back and tell us all about the plans for Rangers
1: Women's Football Club. Excellent. Um, It sounds really, really interesting. And believe it or not, we just actually don't have the time to go into that. So before we go away, can I say thank you? Always talk nonsense.
2: (laughs) We always get into it and we're like, we're not getting enough time No problem. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. And perhaps you could tell us what your song is to play out. Yes, we're going to play Don't Stop Us Now and that is because when we were both involved in the squads, Vera, that was our on on the bus, uh, it would be played, at warm-up it would be played and for me, motivating. I was absolutely knackled because the song get faster and faster and I had to run faster and faster in the warm-up. So. <laughs> and speaking faster and faster, thank you, Amy.
0: <laughs> Tonight, I'm gonna have myself a real good time Love music, live sport. Let's hear it for the girls with Maureen McGonigal and special guests on Rock Sport Radio.